Amen. Would you stretch your hand this way and say, God bless Brother Anderson. Thank you, Brother McCall. Why don't we give the Lord a good hand of praise in here about right now? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel a strong move of the Holy Ghost in here today. I've been uh, feeling a, you know, there's places where you go, you feel an undercurrent. Well, I feel the swirling, the troubling of the waters that are here right now, and it's not an undercurrent, it's a move of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Why don't we just tell him we're going to entertain it right now. Come on, talk to him a minute. Lord, welcome Holy Spirit. Welcome, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's great to be here with you today. Folks, I love very, very much. Good to see my brother over here. Love Brother Harold, Sister Sue. And uh, they mean the world to us. Good to see all of you. Good to see the Sanders. Bless you, folks. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I uh, felt a strong nudge in the Holy Ghost. Um, a couple of days ago, and I began to look back on what I was feeling, and um, I titled and retitled, but I've never been one of those guys that was really just all that much figuring out titles. titles. Sometimes, Brother McCall, I just get up and preach, and then we decide what to call it. So uh, you can be far out there somewhere with a title. But I do feel like the Lord has given me what I need to say here today. And I feel like I stand squarely in the will of God right now. Hallelujah. And I want, I told God today that I'm not here for me, but I am here for you. And uh, if he gives you what you need, then I will be fulfilled. So I don't know if this is going to turn out to be a good sermon or not. But I'm not near as interested in it being a sermon as I am about it being a message. Praise God. The book of Joshua chapter 10. Ooh, hallelujah. Book of Joshua, chapter 10. Verse 12. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon. And thou, moon, in the valley of Agilon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jaser? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down for about a whole day. Everybody said in Jesus' name, Lord bless you, you may be seated. I um, don't think I've, well I know I've never preached this this way before, but it is amazing to me how that God has given mankind a rapport with him. The Bible said that he had respect unto Abel's offering. 
unto Abel and unto his offering. It means a lot for God to respect you. Because his, his standard is pretty high when he starts respecting people. Not too many people impress God. But every once in a while, he runs across somebody that does. And he made clear notation in the scripture that it be recorded in his holy writ that he respected Abel and that he respected his sacrifice. Hezekiah was a man that, I'll try not to get bogged down because I find myself every once in a while I start to preach these stories and all this stuff starts jumping out at me. So I know that you probably want to get out before five tonight. And I really need you to get out before five tonight. So uh, we're not going to go that far. I'm actually supposed to be in Hot Springs tonight. So, um, But Hezekiah, the Bible says that Isaiah came in and spoke to him and told him that you're going to die. And he turned his face to the wall and cried. And you know what he did? He changed time. Now one thing that you need to realize is while I'm, while I'm preaching here today, I'm going to try to help you with is to understand that, um, you know, we get to looking at the overall perspective. Pastor, you're, you're sitting here right now, and I, I've, been, I've been feeling something I need to tell you, but I want you right now to start seeing people coming. I want you to turn on what basically would be a faith, a confidence, a magnetism that the devil has tried to fight you with in negativity that people are leaving, but people are not leaving, people are coming. When you drive down the road, you start thinking about the church of the people that God's going to affect to turn on their mind, and in their mind, they're going to start, I mean, it, it can be overnight that, that numbers of people says, you know what, I just feel drawn toward Lake City. But that's going to start right there inside of you of a confidence. I know what it's like to feel both ways. I know what it's like to feel beat down and feel like everybody is, you know, kind of looking elsewhere. But then I also know what it's like to conquer that and feel like looks like everybody's going to show up. And it goes from wondering if I'm going to pay the light bill to wondering if I'm going to have room. Somebody shout yes. You know what I'm talking about? It's just the faith concept of believing that. That's going to take place, and, and that's, that's what has to happen with us. And that's what God's project is, is to keep that going on in leadership. That's what's your project. I've, I've gone in, man, look, I'm telling you, I went, I've, I've pastored whenever we had, you know, 18 people in a building seat 220, and that's a pretty, pretty sad scene. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to keep myself upbeat. And I've walked into church before, felt like everything was, was going away. But you know what it took? It took one saint of God to walk up and say, you know what, we're going to have a good move of God today. And all of a sudden I'm going, well, man, maybe we are. You have no idea. And you know what I, what I would really like to do? I know I'm, my days are just about over superintendent, so, so that's okay. I've made that, made that a choice. But you know what I would like to do? I would like to put in the heart of every preacher everywhere. You're not too good to be encouraged by a saint of God. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of men of God that are running on empty today simply because they drive by gas stations that would fill them up. And that is there are a lot of saints of God that could speak faith into their heart and say, Pastor, I believe we're going to have a move of God today. It doesn't matter whether the pastor feels it at that particular moment or not. If the, if the saint of God can walk up to them when they have touched heaven, it doesn't matter how it gets here. We simply believe that God's going to move in a mighty way. Now, you know, I, um, I, I've been looking at this, uh, you know, and Hezekiah, he's, he's, um, he, he's uh, been told that he's going to die. And uh, then Isaiah, whenever he walks out, you believe prayer changes things? I believe prayer has been made here today, and I believe God spoke to the pastor, and God told him that today everything changes. I believe that. I believe this is reset for Lake City, Arkansas. I believe this is going to be a day in which we're going to remember the rest of our life, that God did something and triggered, and it was a launch pad. It's the catapult that pushes us on out into greater and deeper things than we've ever known before. Come on now, somebody. God's coming back after a glorious church. He's coming back after a glorious church. 
not just barely surviving, not on life support, not having to suck air and oxygen, but God is coming back after the glorious, powerful, glorious, powerful church of the living God. It's going to matter to this world when the rapture takes place. It's going to be a big deal. Because the biggest thing going on is going to be sucked right out of it. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. It's going to shake this world up when the rapture takes place. Anybody believe that with me right now? I said it's going to shake this world up when the rapture takes place. And it's not just going to be that they're going to be searching for all these people that have come up missing. It's going to be the effect of the vacuum of what was vibrant, moving, and powerful, and shaking the world. Did you know, do you know that, and I'm not preaching about organization, but that's the only thing we have to measure with sometimes, okay? If you don't have any data, you don't know how to measure it. So I'm just going to tell you that, you know, it's all right if I'm just going to be honest, right? You know, several years ago, their people felt like the United Pentecostal Church was too conservative, so they left. Then later, there were people that felt like they weren't conservative enough, and they left. In the midst of all of that, steady Eddie. Just keep on keeping on preaching this one God, Jesus' name, baptism, seeing people get the Holy Ghost. And you know what happened? There came a place in which... The, the, the crest in this past year, we firmly and solidly with all the, you know, the stock market type deal that goes on. The United Pentecostal Church has made it over the mark to where it doesn't drop below now. And it's, it's on that steady pace of gaining over 10,000 licensed ministers. But if you had stopped and headlined... If you had stopped and headlined either one of the big exoduses, then you would have folded your tent and said, it's over. But the only thing it took was somebody getting up and preaching one more sermon, singing one more song, and believing that God was going to move one more time. And the consistency, and you know what happened? Now you're checking the numbers, and you understand... I was trying to remember exactly what 40,000 people received the Holy Ghost last year and were baptized in Jesus' name. 40,000 people in the continental, the North American continent. And I added that up, and I think it was, what, 210 or so per day. What am I doing? I'm attacking the devil's lie right now. I said, I'm attacking the devil's lie because all it takes is for somebody to come in and say, I don't believe this message. All it takes is somebody you get and you run into in town. You can be having the victory today and you can go in town and somebody say, you know what, I don't believe, I don't believe that message. I don't believe it. And the next thing you know, you're so low, you're wondering. But I, I just want to go ahead and attack and say, I'm going to give you some numbers right now to tell you that over 40,000 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about foreign countries. I'm not talking about a missionary story. You're going to get that next week. I'm talking about the North American continent. I'm talking about in churches all across North America, just like this right here, where people walked in and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Ladies and gentlemen, our focus today is about to be lifted because the fields are white, ready to harvest. And you don't spend your time worrying about people that are not, uh, that are not gung-ho about living for this. You are reaching for people, and you're going to see excitement rise up with the new hearts and the new souls that come in the door. And you're going to find excitement like you've never had before. Because it changes your focus and what you're looking at. You've got to lift your eyes. And if you want the mountain to move, you've got to speak to the mountain. Say the positive things. And here's the way it works. When Isaiah was turned around and gone back, went back into to see Hezekiah, this is, this is the particulars of what he said. God has heard your cry, seen your tears, 
and has added unto your days 15 years. Now, he could have said he just added to you 15 years, but he didn't. He said he's added to your days 15 years because you don't get it in year chunks. You get it in day chunks. And you're going to realize that revival one service at a time. Anybody want to, anybody want a tractor trailer load of faith today? Sorry, it ain't coming. I tell you how it comes, a gift of a word of faith. Anybody want a tractor trailer load of wisdom? Doesn't come that way. It's going to come the gift of the word of wisdom. Anybody want a tractor trailer of knowledge? It doesn't come that way. It's going to come the gift of the word of knowledge. I am telling you that God gives you increments. And matter of fact, he said that according to thy day, so shall thy strength be. And the manna fell daily. And when the manna fell daily, the scripture says, when they said, teach us to pray, he said, our Father which art in heaven, give us this year. Give us this day. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this. Somebody shout it out. Our. Just can't get off of that day stuff. So you ain't got to worry about Monday right now. This is Sunday. And some people are having nervous breakdowns because they're already in September. You didn't get that, did you? I said some people are already having nervous breakdowns because they're already living in September. That's not the will of God. He set Adam up to visit with him every day. You know why that God works with us that way? He's because he knows that we get so cocky that if we had a big bank account and everything going on so good, we'd skip him for a few days. But he wants a daily relationship of consistency. And when he spoke to Hezekiah, he said, I'm not adding to you years. I'm adding you to you days that will become years. Matter of fact, when Jacob came down and visited with Pharaoh, Pharaoh asked him how old was he? And he said, well, this is just off the top of my head. This is, this is where I lose so much time because I can't just preach what I got written down. You know. He said, well, the days of the years of my pilgrimage have not amounted or accumulated to the days of the years of my father's. Now, couldn't he have said that a whole lot easier? Yeah, but he wanted, he wanted Pharaoh to know, I didn't live this a year at a time, and I didn't live this a decade at a time. I got here because it happened a day at a time. And it was all days of my pilgrimage that have added up to the years that has brought me to where I am now. And his grace is sufficient. So when Joshua is fighting his battle, he was in the midst of the battle and the sun was sinking on him. And he said, we need to reset the clock because we need some daylight saving time. And he said, sun, stand still. Guess what? Guess what? His science wasn't right. But you don't have to be perfect in your prayer for God to know what you mean. Quit letting the devil beat you up. God knows your heart. He knows the intents of your heart. And he knows exactly how to respond. When he said, son, stand still. Oh, sorry, Bo, you got it all messed up. But the Bible teaches us that it stood still for about 24 hours. 
Matter of fact, it's been proven when people were feeding com, uh, data into a computer trying to chase time back through. And they got to that place and it stalled out. And they said, what in the world is going on here? We, we, can't, we can't move any farther. And they said, is there any time glitch? And somebody that had enough uh, biblical knowledge to know what was going on, they said, well, there was a time when an old prophet prayed and God um, uh, caused the, the day to be extended for about 24 hours for him to fight a battle. They fed that in the computer. It took off and here it went again. And then they got to another place and it stalled out and they couldn't find 15 minutes of time. You know where that was at? It was whenever Isaiah walked back into the temple court and or back into the palace there and he said, hey, he said, God's heard your prayer and he's seen your tears. He's added to your days 15 years. And he said, now, oh my goodness, I wasn't going to get hung up on this story, but there's too much good stuff in it. He's added to your days 15 years. And he said, uh, would you like a little proof of that? And he said, yeah. And he said, well, what can we use around here? He said, oh, there's a sundial. That was their clock back then. He said, would you like this sun, sundial to do a little something special? He said, would you like it to go forward 15 degrees or 10 degrees or backward 10 degrees? And the reasoning was, well, it's going forward all the time anyway. Why don't we back it up 10 degrees? And he said, Lord, would you prove to him what I just said? And the old sundial just moved back 10 degrees, which is about 15 minutes. They fed that into the scientific computer, and it took off running again. Just goes to prove that God is that real, and God will do that for you. Now, I'm going to give you a little reading assignment because you're probably not going to take this off of me and just believe what I said. But that's all right. When you read it at home, you're going to figure out that preacher. And I, you better not shout at home if you don't shout now. Oh, go ahead. I don't care if you shout at home. But I want you to jump up out of that recliner and hit a jig whenever you figure out that I preach to you the truth today. But here's what happened. Isaiah, before he left... He told him, he said, you need to go get you a, a, a poultice. A, that kind of the, he said, you need to go get you something and put on that boil. You know that I'm telling the truth, right? You know what he did? He told him to go take a dose of medicine. Now, is that crazy or what? Because he just had a God in heaven that backed the sundial up 15 minutes and promised him 15 more years of life and then told him to put some medicine on that. Come on now. I'm, I'm about to feel pretty wild in here about right now. Is anybody going to have some church with me or are you going to make me do it by myself? There are some people that are so bent that they would have turned around and said, God wasn't in any of that or he'd have healed him of that. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't know what God's trying to accomplish. You have no idea what God's doing in the increments and where he's taking you down and the roads that he's taking you down. I don't know why he didn't heal uh, Hezekiah of his sickness at that particular time and told him, you need to get some medicine on that so you can recover from that and you can, you can acquire the prophecy that I have preached to you and you're gonna be able to live that 15 years. You you know what? His 15 years of living was dependent upon him going and getting a dose of medicine. Somebody shout yes. You know what I believe it is? I believe that God wants to make sure you'll trust him whatever he tells you to do. It doesn't have to make sense. It's the word from God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It doesn't have to make sense whenever God is speaking to you and he may mix some stuff in him. Well, I, I thought I was gonna, I've got some real good stuff over here to preach, but when I was in Brinkley, Arkansas, we had a congregation less than this. We'd had a real good Easter I used to hate Easter. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to confess. Because the only thing Easter was good for in those days was to pump me up on Sunday morning to hold me real high and slam me real hard on Sunday night. 
That's all it was worth. I got so sick of it, I didn't care if they ever, I didn't, I didn't care if a bunny did lay an egg. I didn't care what, what was going on. I didn't want me nothing to do with it. But I got in there on a Sunday night and I started preaching. And I just read back and preached like the house was on fire. And like it was full. And um, at the end of that service, there was a little lady in that church. And this is totally off script here. But he, she said, uh, she said, can I, Pastor, can I say a word? And I said, sure. She said, while you were preaching a while ago, I had a prayer meeting. I asked God, why is he preaching that way with this few people here? And she said, the Lord spoke to me, and I want to tell you that the Lord said, because you've been faithful over a few, I will make you ruler over many. It is my time. Behold, I bring a flood of souls. Because you have been, and she repeated it three times. We go home. Monday morning, my phone rings, and it's her. She said, Pastor, she said, I really felt what I said last night. She said, I feel it so strong. I want you to write this down and put it in your wallet and carry it with you. And so she went back through that whole prophecy. And I put it in my pocket. And I thought it was for there. So I put it in my pocket. Things turned and I ended up getting a call to go to where I am now. Almost 32 years ago. Well, when I'm I leave there and I go to Hot Springs. I'm a piano tuner technician by trade. So there was a Baldwin piano store owned by some charismatic people. And so um, I was going around uh, a little dingy, you know, dinging my way through. Oh. As I tuned those pianos. And they would let me do floor tunings and then they would let me tune pianos whenever they sold one I'd get that first tuning and get to set up that customer for follow up tunings that's the way we were kind of supplementing our income to make a living well I'm going around the piano store there that Baldwin piano store and we'd have our little church conversations or whatever (laughs) you may have to forgive me for this but I'm going to go ahead anyway well I'm uh, I'm up there tuning pianos and and I felt something real lightly tap me on my elbow. And I turned around and looked, and I had seen him in there before. But this guy is, is kind of dirty looking, you know. He looks like he stepped out of the 60s, right out of San Francisco. But he's got a long ponytail down the back, big old beard, and a real tiny voice. And he said, sir, I said, yeah, his name was Pete. He said, I have a word for you from the Lord. My self-righteous rose up and thought, you ain't got no kind of word from nobody. But I felt a check in my spirit said, shut your mouth and listen. I said, yes, sir, let's go for it. He said, the Lord told me to tell you that because you have been faithful over a few, I will make you ruler over many. Behold, it is my time, and I will bring a flood of souls. And he starts repeating just like she had repeated, and then he stopped. And he said, this is not vain repetition. This is line upon line and precept upon precept. Now, if I had been so twisted in my mind that it had to be a certain way and that if God if God spoke to me, he had healed my boil, I would have completely missed the verification coming from an unlikely source. Is anybody getting what I'm talking about right now? Are you feeling this in here? But so help me God. That was that is the absolute truth. If it's the last story I ever tell, I am telling you that God took me 
two and a half hours away and stood me in a store to be spoken to by a man that wouldn't have met my specifications. But God said, you don't worry about that. I use whom I want to use just to prove to you. If it had been somebody that had known you and somebody in pristine setting, you would have probably accepted it a lot quicker. But I wanted to shock you and show you that I can do it in a way that you don't have any idea how it's going to happen. Somebody in here right now needs to believe that God is going to bring revival to the Pentecostals of Lake City in a way that you have no idea. And I'm here to reset the clock. I'm here to take you to daylight saving time. I'm here to tell you that it's the sundown. It's just going to be a proof right now. He hadn't done everything that you want to see him do, and the boil might not be healed just by the stroke of a hand. But I want you to accept that if you've got to go to the doctor to get that medicine, whatever that God's got in plan, he, t- he told you, I'm going to do it in 15 years, but here it goes. Boom. He didn't heal him. He said, go get you something on that. You know what it meant? You got to live life. And Monday's going to be Monday, but you still got a promise of 15 years hanging out there. God's going to give it to you, but you got to do what you know you got to do. And I told you, just use your head, boy, and go get you some medicine on that boy. Oh, my God, have mercy. Now, let me, uh, let me bring this around here. I was, I'm not going to read all this. I'm just going to talk to you about it here real quick. Like, But remember that Jesus was at the marriage of Cain of Galilee. I would like to point out to you that Jesus was there not because he had a precedent or a reputation of being a miracle worker because he had done no miracles at that point. But he was invited to the wedding as a friend. So I would encourage whoever is in this place today, get Jesus in your house whether you think you need him or not. Because when the word came that they are out of wine, they didn't say, well, we better go find Jesus because he's already in the house. You never know when the fever's going to spike. And you never know when the phone's going to make that crazy ring and the story is going to change all of a sudden. But if you've already got him in the house just because he's a friend, you don't have to go look him up because he's going to be there for you. Now, here's what I want to get around to you and what I feel like God is. I'm going to try not to preach all this stuff on my way. <clears throat> but when, when Mary, the mother of Jesus, realized I would like to tell you that if you will invite him into your house and you will keep him there, this is in pretty incredible. Verse number three says of, Act, of John chapter two, when they wanted wine, it didn't say they needed it, it said they wanted it. But you know what his presence there was proving? It was proving that they delighted in him. And he said, if you'll delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the wants, the desires of your heart. I've heard people that try to classify whether God was going to do something about it, do something for some people because of whether they needed it or not. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll make him your friend, it doesn't always have to be about what you need. They didn't have to have this. They wanted it. So if you'll make him your best friend, you're going to find out that, you know, just seems like a coincidence that you end up getting things that you just wanted. And it just starts happening and it shows up. And you didn't design it and you didn't manipulate and you didn't connive to get it. It just showed up. That's the benefit of having him as a friend. He can do all things. Now, if it's something damaging, he's probably not going to let you have it. But if it's not something damaging, all you got to do is want it. But most important, what you got to do is just have him as your friend. And the next thing you know, it just starts happening. 
Folks, I've done more accidentally living for God than there are people that have got designs out there in the world that are saving their money and working overtime trying to get things done. I was walking around in Hawaii one time and on my way to preach in Majuro, Marshall Islands, and I turned to my wife, and, and we had stopped off on our way back. It's just, it's horrible. You have to lay over in Hawaii to catch a, catch a flight to the Marshall Islands. I pre- went to preach to Ponape, and when I went to preach to Ponape in Guam, you know what we had to do? We had to lay over in Hawaii. And we're walking around hearing the birds sing and looking around at all the palm trees and listening to the Pacific Ocean splash. And I looked at my wife, and I said, is this crazy or what? We're over here doing the work of the Lord, and we accidentally ended up where a lot of people spend their whole life trying to get to. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he will give thee the desires of thine heart. Young people, could I preach to you a little while? The best thing you can ever do is fall in love with Jesus. Don't listen to the world out there. Don't listen to the voices that says it doesn't take all that. Why don't you just go ahead and say, I'm falling in love with Jesus and it's gonna be the best thing that ever happened to me. And guess what? One of these days you're gonna look up and she's gonna say, they wanted wine. Do they need it? Probably not. But they're gonna get the blessing because that they simply wanted it. Praise God. Now, when uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, came and said they have no wine, Jesus saith unto her something that I wouldn't advise anybody to do, but it's Jesus, he can get by with it. Jesus said unto her, woman, the wisdom in this is don't call your mom a woman. Woman, what have I to do with thee? Watch this. Mine hour is not yet come. It's not on the schedule and pardon the vernacular, but it ain't time. I've got a spot out there figured out when I'm going to start miracles and today ain't the day. But instead of saying, oh, that's horrible, she just turned around and said, whatsoever he saith unto thee, do it. You know what she was saying? Son, I'm your mama. And I got the clock in my hand. I've decided it's time to start the business today. And watch this. I don't care what time it is. We, we need a miracle right now. And so I'm moving the hands of the clock because you did it for Joshua. You did it for Hezekiah. And you're gonna do it for this wedding right now. So I'm pleading with you in the name of Jesus, look up Lake City because I'm here today with a clock in my hand. I am here to move the hands of time. I am telling you that you may have looked around and said it's way in the future, but I am proclaiming the day is today that something launches and something starts in this city and something starts in this church and something starts in your spirit because we're moving the time. We're moving the hands of the clock to the hour right now. It is the hour right now. Today is the day that God's going to pour out his spirit in a mighty way. Hearts are turning. Something is going on right now today. Come on, give him a good hand of praise right now, would you? My God, come on, I feel the Holy Ghost. Keep on clapping. Come on, keep on giving him some praise right now. Everybody start shouting now, 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 now. Woo! I don't care what time it is. 
You say, well, Brother Anderson, I think that's a little bit far out. You can be seated for just a moment if you like. I think that's a little far out. I don't, I don't know that that's really right. Well, then how about the woman that came up to him and said, my daughter's grievously vexed. She was a Canaanitish woman. And he said, look, it's not meat that I would give the... You know, there's a time, and he said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And, you know, maybe there's a day out there in time in which that is going to be Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. But today ain't the day. She said, I found a clock, and I'm about to set the hands. My daughter needs some help, and you're not going to turn her away. And she just kept on. Hallelujah. Somebody shout yes. Yes. The reason for that is because that if we continued on in John chapter 2 here, we're going to get down to the place to where, and I'm, I'm, I'm refraining from preaching a bunch of this stuff that really is good, fun preaching. But the Bible says that when he told them to fill up the water pots with water, they filled them up to the brim. That's one thing that you need to do is understand they didn't put a little bit in the bottom to see if this was going to work. They filled them up to the brim. So just go ahead and get all in. I'm asking you for, to commit completely to the revival that God's about to give us. You're all in. Fill it up to the brim. You don't get a little bit because it's easier to, call, to, to haul a little bit in the bottom. No, no, no. We're filling it up to the brim because we believe that whatever that we pour in is what's going to get the result. And then he told them, said, you know, just get the cup. Get you a big cup and bear to the governor. Well, now, that's a little risky. Don't you think we need a taste of it first? No, I just took it on to the governor. Now, before, before I ask you to put verse 11 up, or verse 10 up there, hold on for it just a moment, because I want to just test you a little bit. Have you ever heard about that scripture that says that he has saved the best until the last I'm going to adjust that for you right now and help you to understand that the scripture does not say that. Would you please put verse 10 up for me? And saith unto him, every man of the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until. He's not saving the good wine to the last. It's whenever you set the clock and say right now. There's, somebody, there's some people not enjoying the revival that they need to enjoy because they keep pushing it out there that someday it'll happen. You've got to grab it and bring it to now. They weren't going to need wine six weeks from now. They need it now. Her daughter wasn't, wasn't, wasn't just needing six weeks from now to be healed. She needs healed now. Lake City doesn't need revival just six weeks from now. We need it now. So just grab the clock and say, Lord, you, it doesn't say you save the best wine to last. You save it till now. Whenever I decide that this is the moment. Have you ever seen anybody... You ever seen him somebody seeking the Holy Ghost and they're praying for the Holy Ghost and they're praying for the Holy Ghost and they're praying for the Holy Ghost? You know when they get it? It's whenever they decide this is the service. Now, tonight, I'm going to come away with the Holy Ghost. I'm not leaving without it. Yes, when they get the Holy Ghost. Now. I'm not going to have to take you there. I'm just going to quote it to you. Hebrews 11, 1. What did you say? Now, I'm not really an English scholar, but I can get by. And I believe that if now is not important, it wouldn't be there. So you could just drop that and say faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But it's not true because God wanted that word now in there. So faith is not the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is. If you don't ever get your faith in the now, I'm preaching to you about a time right now. 
We're, we're in control of the clock. Is anybody with me right now? You feel what I'm talking about? I believe the Holy Ghost is in this house right now. Right now. And it's not just about faith as a substance. It's now faith. It's today, right now. August the 6th, 2017, now. Well, Brother Anderson, what do you think about better circumstances? Don't worry about that because now is the only moment that we've got. Now we've got to bring it into existence now. Watch this. Watch this. Jesus walks up to, um, to Mary and Martha, and he's talking to them. While he's talking to them, they're, they're kind of ticked off, to be honest with you. If you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. So, I mean, we, and he said, your brother's going to live again. And so they're living past tense that if you had been here. And then he said, your brother's going to live again. And they said, I know in the resurrection. So they leap all the way. Isn't it just like the devil? Did you know Jesus was crucified between two thieves? If we're not careful, we get crucified every day between two thieves. The past and the future. And she leaped all the way from the past to the future. And she said, I know he'll live again in the resurrection. That gray day. And he looked at her in the moment and said, I am the resurrection. Because he had to get her out of the past and hold her back from the future. To say, we're going to the tomb right now. Because I am the resurrection. Now faith. The best wine is now. It's not last. It's now. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Somebody's getting a hold of this. Hallelujah. Won't you stand with me right now? Woo! I am telling you today that I believe with all of my heart that God has sent me here. And if you can visualize the gigantic clock, the hands of that clock are in your hands today. You can reach hold of those gigantic hands and bring them to your hour. The reason I believe that is because that Mary proved to him that though it was not his hour when he said, mine hour is not yet come. She says, I'm sorry, but I'm disregarding that hour because I need something now. Listen to me close. In case you're wondering if we really have the power to do what I just preached to you. Revelations 22 verse 17 says, and the spirit and the bride... Say, come. And let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. My point is that the Spirit is ready. Will the bride say, Right now is the moment? He said, it's talking about the coming of the Lord. Well, I don't think so because he said drink of that water freely because he's talking about salvation. That revival is not out there in the future, folks. That revival is right now. Woo! Luke 11, verse 5 says, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight? Everybody say, midnight's not a good time. Come on, say it out loud. Midnight's not a good time. He's saying to him, friend. Now, everybody, this is in red letters. Jesus is talking here. Friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine is in his journey and has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. I'm in a bind and I need some help. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Because it's not time. 
mine. Verse number eight says, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Sir, I know it's not a good time, but right now is the best time for me. I've got to have some help now. I'm getting a hold of the hands of the clock. I'm changing this whole thing around. I'm bringing revival to me. I'm going to pray till it happens. I'm going to witness till it happens. I'm going to praise till it happens. I'm going to shout till the walls come down because I'm bringing it now. And this, woo, I feel faith rising in here right now. This is still Jesus talking. When he says this, and I say unto you, look at your neighbor and shout, ask. Ask. And it might. Somebody shout, shall. Shout, shall. Shall be given to you. Everybody shout, seek. And ye, everybody shout, shall. Find. Woo. Everybody shout, knock. And it shall, everybody shout, shall. It shall be opened to you. Listen to me right now. Verse number 10, put it up there. Here we go. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and him that knocketh, it shall be open. There's no excuse, Lake City. It's not anybody else. Everyone that asks, knocks, is going to seek and find. It's going to be ours because we just grabbed hold of the clock. We moved it till now and we're accepting that August the 6th, 2017 is a brand new beginning reset for Lake City, Arkansas. Revival is in the air. It shall happen. Anybody believe that with me right now? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come down here and let's have a little church around this front. Oh, on the way. 